2: This is Monica Perez, your Libertarian voice on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB every Saturday from 3 to 6. And I do try to talk about the Libertarian news of the week or look at the news, the biggest news stories and tell you my Libertarian perspective. So when I saw that the uh, government, the House uh, passed the USA Freedom Act, I thought, hey, Maybe that's a good thing. I should have known better because it isn't. I was reading a uh, press release from Congressman Justin Amash, and he said that the USA Freedom Act, as it was written in 2013, was a good act, did bring down government surveillance. But this USA Freedom Act, as it is, as it was passed in the House, as uh, the White House has asked the Senate to approve, uh, does technically eliminate the government's metadata surveillance system, but it gets the private companies to do it. And in my mind, that's worse because it eliminates the need for upfront warrants and allows total search and seizure for everything without any warrants at all. And the government can come back later and sift through your stuff and get what they want. I mean, it's it's really 100% in violation of the Fourth Amendment, the letter and the spirit, uh, and maybe we don't care. When Snowden came out and he revealed all this, people were up in arms, and he said, and this was foreshadowing, because I think that guy is an actor. I think he was a CIA op operative, and he still is. That's what I think. I've done a lot of work on it, and this kind of stuff is bringing it all to uh, what I said would be the proof in the pudding was that they would codify they would institutionalize this program which technically was not legal under the usa patriot act and that's exactly what happened what's happening and what he said and this is when i knew right immediately or as soon as i thought about what he was saying that he was full of it because he said he voted for ron paul and he was put out there as a libertarian at first and what he said was all i want basically in this democracy is for the people to have a discussion about what the government is doing. And I was thinking, what kind of libertarian thinks that we can have a discussion about basic rights? The discussion was finished over 200 years ago when the bill of rights were enumerated. And even then that was just a process of teasing out the rights of enumerating them of writing them down and even then just the rights that would constrain the government on what its greatest temptations would be to control us for its own benefit so there's no need for a discussion they do not have any right to any of my information and they have no right to have the to force telecommunications companies to collect that. And, and and that de facto, in effect, makes it impossible for other companies to compete with them on privacy. So I can't opt out of my telephone carrier because they're all now obliged to do this thing that I would object to. It's, it's really uh, a slippery slope. It's a bad thing. It's, it also opens the door to cronyism, Uh, It's not capitalism. It weakens our telecom companies. I'm going to get into that a little bit, but I want to get to some calls. 404-872-0750. 1-800-WSB-TALK. I'm going to Allen in Atlanta. Hi, Allen. Hi
3: there. Uh, I have a question. Why are we going after the guys who write these bills and, and amendments and things like that? I mean, there have got to be authors or some guy who comes up with this. Why don't the libertarians focus on him some candidates and say, you know, this guy is trying to take away your constitutional rights. Here is the evidence. He wrote this bill, he did this, he did this, he did this. I think enough people did that and you start putting these people's names out there who are doing this, that maybe it might help some.
2: <sighs> I don't know. I mean I looked at I was trying to do the research on local Georgia legislators um, congressmen and senators, if I recall correctly, both Congress, both senators from Georgia, uh, voted for to continue funding the NSA. While, while this guy Justin Amash, uh, the congressman, was against it. And some, like Paul Brown, gets uh, an A, you know, and like civil liberties. And some of the people around here get Fs. But it's very hard, Alan, to hold. I think to hold these people's feet to the fire. And I don't know if you were following during this Georgia legislative session when they had all these like police state bills come up. Were you following that? Yes. Yeah, yeah, I was. All right. So there was this gal, um, Catherine Bernard, a local lawyer who ran for office before. And I should probably give people in that district, Brookhaven, District 80, the heads up. There's a special election in July where she's going to run again for a state seat. But... She went there, and she actually she's a lawyer. So she analyzed this stuff. She figured out what was wrong with it. She presented. She got a lot of people from the community to come. and And a few things uh, failed. But the really important thing, this basically police state law, where now the governor can create this big organization that will be effectively a private police force for him, she even though there no all the public want were against it, there was no way to stop it. There is there is power beyond, you know, that's why I object to what, like, uh, neo-socialists want to return the power to the people. We need more democracy. Democracy doesn't work because the, the legislators don't answer to the people because the people can't give them anything. They only answer to those who can give them something, is my it's opinion. to
3: a point where uh, the American people need to do what all these other protesters are doing. Can you imagine 20 million people marching on Washington, you know, demanding a change, or, you know, two million people in Wallace uh, marching on Atlanta demanding a change, I think it's going to get down to that point where we're actually going to have to go to Washington and force these people to do the right thing. Well,
2: I went three times to Washington to protest Obamacare, and there were tens, if not hundreds of thousands of people there, and you saw how that went. They tried to set people up with... uh, you know, baiting Tea Partiers and stuff, and then Nancy Pelosi laughed in our faces when they finally got it passed.
3: Well, it's going to reach ahead at one point, and hopefully, you know, we don't have to do what the First Amendment says. Basically, it says those who can cause change must cause change. It's our constitutional right to to do this. Um, I, I I really think you know, like I said, I'm pretty much getting tired of it, and at my age. You know, if this had happened when I was a kid, my parents would have grabbed their guns and headed toward Washington. I just, You know, that that's how bad it, it well, was in America the 50s and 60s when they tried this.
2: I think so, that these guys have gotten so clever as far as manipulating the situation, the Bundy Ranch thing, Baltimore, Trayvon Martin, everything. They manipulate it so that they can control the situation they they actually force things to come to a head when there are two sides of the story so they don't look at some asset forfeiture thing where some guy was killed for his land on a false drug bust which everyone would object to they they only uh the media only gives airtime to these squirrely issues that would wouldn't rally millions of people together they really in my opinion control the media to the point where they put edward snowden up to uh, serve their purposes, but other whistleblowers, somebody posted on my Facebook, get um, completely drowned out. You don't even hear from them or they go to jail. So I don't know, I mean, until we share information, we've got to keep our information free, expand our exchange of information and our exchange of ideas, I think, Uh, first, before we pick up the guns. I'm gonna go to Don and Marietta. Hi, Don, you're on with Monica.
4: Yeah, Monica. Um, you were talking about the Constitution. Everybody talks about the Constitution, this and the Constitution. Don't you know the fra- some of the framers of the Constitution were slave owners? Yes. They're talking about freedom for them, but denying freedom for thousands of others. When you have a con- contamination, yeah. a contamination at the beginning, what do you expect it's going to be at the end?
2: Well, Don, I I agree. I understand that point, of course. But let me, I was trying to get to the bottom of that. A lot of those guys in the beginning who were really against banks and the corporations and stuff that came out of the British Empire, our founders. If you dig into some of that stuff, you might find that what the British did, they had such a backlash against slavery that they had to end it in their... um, Whatever their immediate vicinity. But what they did was they didn't want to lose the money. So they used the American colonies for that purpose to promote that trade and that a lot of these guys understood the problem, but it had become a real economic uh, quagmire that they were trying to get out of. I understand what you're saying. It's like it's built on a lie. So, so on the one hand, I think outside forces were at work to undermine their principles. And on the other hand, I think they, they were hoping to get rid of that, but they did identify the correct principles. Like I think that about Thomas Jefferson, Martin Luther King Jr. If, they, if there were personal things that they did in their lives, if they themselves were not perfect, that in no way, in my opinion, diminishes the principles that they identify and promote because nobody's perfect, so if you ha- if you can only have perfect people, but do you do you think there's just absolutely no way to salvage the good e- because of the lie uh, well, that was when, at the beginning?
4: Okay, yeah, but at the beginning, when you write a paper and you have everybody swear to this, it should be perfect. You understand? It should be no blemishes on it. Like um, uh, John Adams' wife told him, how could you talk about you know uh, freedom? And then you have, and you're you're going to agree with these people, and you have, and she was the first one, and you know. And what was his answer? Husband, you know, you got you got millions
2: of slaves. What was his answer?
4: You know, and he really, well, we had to do it because you know they they they, they were trying to break away from Britain and this that, and the other and blah, blah blah blah. But not only that, during the Civil War, yeah. Okay, you had the South fighting for freedom to protect slavery. You understand what I'm saying? Yes, I do. Once you have a contamination at the beginning, you're going to have contaminations and more contaminations as time goes along.
2: Don, I have to take a break, but right after I get back, I am going to answer your um, paradox In a way that will surprise you And I'm going to take more calls 404 8720 750 one 1-800-WSB-TALK This is Monica Perez
3: Monica Perez On News 95.5 At a.m. 750 WSB
2: Hi today, 85 Hi tomorrow, 83 With a 40% chance of rain But that could change So stay tuned to WSB For weekend weather Brought to you by Shoemate The official air conditioning of summer And I just got off the phone. We just had a call from Don saying, basically, I would say that the Constitution had a problem from the beginning because the society had slavery and and it was a direct contradiction with what was in that document. Now, I would say maybe that... They knew slavery, which had been in existence for thousands of years, economically speaking, was coming to an end all around the world. And it ended everywhere, basically, without war, except for here. And they might have seen that coming. Maybe it was too much to deal with, given the entrenched interests of the British corporations and the money and all that kind of stuff. I don't know. But I have thought about the Constitution and things that were wrong. Not just See, I actually prefer the Articles of Confederation, but I like the Bill of Rights. But I just looked at uh, some things that just seem so wrong about what's happened now. I look at World War One and Wilson basically, really, I think that was the tipping point, the last straw for the American experiment. But then you can go back and say the Civil War, the Civil War... I took away the right of secession. People say the Second Amendment had a call earlier. The Second Amendment, two calls, are the foundation of our liberty. Without the right to defend ourselves, we're out. Well, without the right for states to secede, uh, they, states' rights are effectively dead. You can't live like that. You can't have states' rights if you can't if there's no mechanism to enforce it. So the Civil War was a tipping point. And would we not have had the Civil War if it weren't for slavery? I don't know, because to me, the Articles of Confederation were better than the constitution was the didn't allow for taxes at the federal level other things that i think could have kept our government not a coercive monopoly government but that only lasted what like 8 years before alexander hamilton and his gang of federalists replaced it in what some call a coup i just wrote a blog post about it with the constitution so at at any point that system w- had flaws and the American experiment of this self-limiting government that words on a piece of paper, like the bill of rights could control, uh, an entity and people who pursue power within that entity that has the power to kill you, to steal from you, to, um, roam the, the, the earth in search of other people to kill and steal from now, Once you give that kind of power, can a piece of paper restrain it? That was the American experiment. It was the last chance for this idea of self-limiting government. And when I had that revelation, I gave up on the modern state. And then I discovered Murray Rothbard, Mr. Libertarian, whose philosophy is called anarcho-capitalism. That not only is the coercive monopoly state uncontrollable... It's unnecessary because society is self-ordering and we would just through capitalism, through trade, not this cronyism that that this USA Freedom Act is definitely going to promote. I'll tell you about that after the break, but real capitalism where you just have to engage in arm's length transactions and provide for your own security that we would have peace and prosperity. It would not be a chaotic mess. It would actually be a much freer safer and wealthier society. That's what I concluded, that the American experiment was a good try under perfect circumstances, but nothing's perfect enough to restrain government. 404-8720-750 1-800-WSB-TALK This is Monica Perez.
3: Monica Perez on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB.
2: I am your Libertarian Voice on WSB every Saturday from 3 to 6. We're having a conversation about the USA Freedom Act, which came uh, passed overwhelmingly on both sides in the House this week and may or may not get to the Senate. The President has asked the Senate to pass it also. And it extends Section 215 of the USA Patriot Act till the end of 2019, and it also expands, I would say, it's being sold to us as limiting, but I think it expands... The metadata uh, collection program, although it eliminates it at the government level, it pushes it down to private companies. And for me, that's even more of a problem. And it's bad for the private companies. What it does is it creates regulatory barriers to entry that mean that new entrants cannot get into that industry unless they're able to and willing to put up the kind of infrastructure that can store all of this—these millions and millions and millions and millions of records—on millions of Americans. Uh, unless they can do that, they really can't compete in the industry because this law requires that if they're going to be in this industry, they're going to have to do that. And that—and th- another problem is in a free society, which I advocate for, you could opt out of a of a carrier that. Stores your information, but now that's not permitted. And when you reduce competition, especially by keeping uh, new entrants out of the industry, it actually weakens the companies that are in there because they can charge higher prices. They can run a little flabbier. Really, their existence depends on their relationship with the government, not with their relation, not on their relationship with you and and when the companies get weakened that way then they need more support especially in the international arena so you can see them going to government and asking them for Special privileges in trade deals like this TPP, this big trade deal that's coming down the pipe. It's a huge thing, it's a big document. There's a lot of details. To me, that's just a list of privil- privileges that a real free trade agreement would be one, a couple of sentences no quotas or tariffs in either direction on anything. <laughs> you know, that's a free trade agreement. It doesn't need to be a thousand pages long or whatever it is. But it will be when there's a lot of quid pro quo between, between the government and the companies. And that's cronyism. That's not capitalism. It gives capitalism a bad name. And and I think this particular thing, which is just metadata collection at the telephone level, is really a potential for a slippery slope. A caller earlier said that, and I, and I actually saw this on Cavuto, that the... Televisions of the future will all have cameras in them. And what the caller had said is that they can, and I know this about phones, they can record you even if the device is off. So you could really be in surveillance under surveillance in your own house just by having a TV or a phone or whatever. and and that is already true with the phones. That's for sure. So now that they have the ability to surveil you one hundred percent of the time, and there's no reason that and and, if they collect that information, if they store that information, the next step would be the government saying, oh, I want access to that information. And then imagine if you tried to speak out or run against an incumbent, somebody who had power, somebody who had access to that stuff, how could you ever win? How could you ever fight the system? If every little thing you did, somebody was telling me that the Google, if you go on your iPhone, there's a privacy setting. And if you if you keep scrolling through the menus, you see uh, frequent, frequently visited locations, and I found mine, and it said I went to Nordstrom like eleven times. <laughs> I hope my husband doesn't see that, but uh, but Google apparently has an algorithm that can take that data and figure out who's having an affair. So once they they so they don't have to actually look at you, things like that can flag themselves. And then you're quite vulnerable, not because you broke the law, but because you would have all sorts of trouble if this private information came out. And like we were talking about earlier, from Thomas Jefferson to Martin Luther King Jr., no matter how much good you do, you're not a perfect person. And it would be awful to have been able to stop those guys uh, from the good they did because of... uh, personal foible so it's a very dangerous situation in my opinion i don't think people are taking it seriously enough certainly the media isn't because you're not hearing about it except for here i'm going to brant in woodstock uh and you can give me a call 404 zero seven fifty one eight hundred 750 wsb talk hi brant you're on with monica
0: hey monica hey it's brant um thank you for being a deep thinker and also having the courage to share your opinion um i enjoy listening to your show um I guess two quick points to make as you just started talking about competition, but uh, along the lines of competition, you can always tell which industries do not have competition because they're always the hardest to deal with if you're a consumer, whether it's the cable companies or the power companies or, um, of course, government, um, banks. A lot of people think because of all these these banks that we have that there's competition, but... There's really not. Yeah, try to open
2: uh, one and see if. <laughs> try to right. open a bank and see if that if you can and you can't. So
0: that's my point about competition. It's 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 a, a very it's a genuine source of freedom, really. And touching on that point, as far as freedom goes, in the Constitution, uh, previous caller had brought up the subject of um, racial. Uh, this I guess talking about racism and things like that. Um, polit- politicians, government. Uh, In my mind, since the beginning of time, since we've had any sort of government, um, they've used a tenet to grab more power that everyone's heard of. It's called divide and conquer. I think it's like the first law of war type thing. Um, And that's what they're trying to do when they put us in groups, whether it's black versus white, man versus woman, um, rich versus poor. Uh, They're really just trying to divide us so they can distract us from the Freedoms that they generally want to take away, whether it's more taxes or more regulations, um, increase their own power because they don't really have uh, compete the only competition they have is other governments and that that kind of hits on my third point, I guess is that a lot of the things we're seeing, I think um, and from a world perspective, is these large mega corporations trying to consolidate uh, nations and trying to make us more alike. If they can get us more like, they can um, do more things along the lines of what they want to do. These mega corporations that aren't really, it's not capitalism, it's not a free market. They get to uh, exempt regulations and taxes and kind of play a different and on a different ball field than everyone else. But I'll leave you with that. And uh, like I said, I enjoy the show and keep it up.
2: Brent, that was a lot of stuff. I'm going to go through it. Uh, I'm going to hit on a few things, maybe go in reverse order. When I, I read earlier, as big Brzezinski quote, he was the national security advisor of Jimmy Carter. And the and when I was looking up that quote to make sure I got it right, there was another quote I came up with. I had keep, kept a list of quotes from him where he had said uh, this, this uh, regionalization. Regionalization is in keeping with the trilateral plan, which calls for a gradual convergence of east and west ultimately leading toward the goal of one world government. National sovereignty is no longer a viable concept. Now, he was the national security advisor of the United States to the president, Jimmy Carter. That is not some crackpot. Uh, well, he might be a crackpot, but he's not a fringe player. He was a big player. He uh, It was his, I think, brainchild to create the Taliban in order to provoke the Soviet Union to invade Afghanistan because he wanted to bring the Soviet Union to its knees. It was real politic. Uh, And you had mentioned that the only competition for a course of monopoly state is other governments. But you can see that other governments absolutely get in line. And they get in line if not voluntarily just because they want goodies to be in the scene. They get in line sometimes because the IMF, the International Monetary Fund, goes in, gives them debt, loans they can't repay. And a lot of times these countries have barriers to capital investment so that people can't in their own, they can't get private loans from outside. And then they're beholden on only loans that their government arranges on a governmental level with the IMF. And when those loans go belly up, the IMF then has access to resources. A lot of times just human resources, taxation, keeping people working, putting them on austerity plans. So when you hear austerity, you think, oh, good, they're going to make the government smaller. But in reality, they have already set those people up, not through freedom, liberty, and capitalism, but through uh, going in and using the government against the people, which really gives capitalism a bad name, but it isn't capitalism. And, And your original point was about divide and conquer. I noticed when the Edward Snowden story broke, even though... I think he's full of it. And you can go back and look at my work on that. At that time, people were up in arms. There was real momentum of us against them. And the government, I think, had to have known that was going to happen. I think the government was in on the Snowden thing, or at the very least, okayed that the media gave him tons of uh, attention because other whistleblowers who have revealed more important stuff have not gotten that attention. That right around the time that we were really hitting a critical mass, they reignited the media covering the Trayvon Martin George Zimmerman thing. Like that all of a sudden became splashed across the newspaper every single solitary day and really drown out us as one. And it was very divisive. And I, it really made me sad, especially in Atlanta. I felt like we were... Finally seeing that it's us versus them, and then they got us again because that's their game, divide and conquer. Which is it's just uh, tragic, really. So thank you for the call, Brandt. I'm going to go to Antonio in Dallas. Hi, Antonio. You're on with Monica.
1: Hey, how are you doing today? I love listening to your show, even though I'm a Boston liberal, but I do enjoy listening to you. Right on. Uh, uh, first of all, as far as police state, right talking about police state. I was born in Portugal during the corporate state. Salazar, this country is no. We're close to having a police state, and that's all I like to say about as far as
3: police state.
2: Well, it's- pause for a second, Antonio. I want to respond to that. I believe that I think that our system, are the people who have these plans, are very sophisticated, and they do not want. So you see cameras everywhere, but you don't get a ticket every time you break a tiny little law. I think they don't want us aware of the magnitude of this thing until they really have all the pieces in place, so that resistance is futile. <laughs> so
1: I, I that's... Think we're more, uh, honestly, I think we're more free now than we've ever been. Look at uh, the 40s when they were arresting Japanese Americans, putting them in camps. In the in the 50s when we had the communist, uh, you know, McCarthyism and stuff where people being arrested left and right. So to say that we're a police state, I think we're less of a police state now than we were before.
2: I, d- I don't think I said we were a police state. I do I believe a
1: that... Lot, a lot of people are calling in and stuff, and then a lot of people calling and saying, Lame the Democrats and everything else like that. You know, like On my show,
2: people calling the Democrats. We know that they're that we're that Republicans are not going to save this country. They're, I mean, the the they maybe people who listen prefer the ideology the Republicans espouse. But when the rubber hits the road, they they violate our rights. Just to, I think people realize that. But uh, I I would say I don't. Necessarily think we bl- bl- live in a police state. I think we're headed towards that. I will also say that I really do value these freedoms. I value the freedom for you and me to have this conversation on public airwaves. It's super awesome, and I appreciate your bringing that up. And yeah, nobody's putting me in jail for that
3: yet. Oh, well, you know, uh,
1: like like I said, you know, as far as police state, my father never got to vote in his own country. He never got to vote in Portugal. until He became a U.S. citizen, in the United States. He voted American. So, you know, as far as, like I said, police state, was so far from being a police state.
2: But don't you think we have to be hyper-vigilant now for every little encroachment on the Bill of Rights just so that we can always stay a step ahead of them?
1: Yes, I, I do agree with that. But I still think, you know, it's like a Catch-22. When, when something happens, like a terrorist act and everybody starts crying, we need more security. And then it blames the government for not doing enough. It's a no-one situation for the government. Either they do enough, too much, or they don't do enough. So... People are never happy in any situation. Well, a
2: lot of that terrorist stuff, we talked about it at length last week, that a vast majority of domestic, of stuff that's happened here, FBI terrorist arrests, have been operations that were ginned up by the FBI itself. And I wonder sometimes if they did that not to flush out bad guys, but to get these pieces of the puzzle in place to scare us on purpose.
1: Maybe, maybe not, but that's still speculation.
2: Yes, it is speculation. And I use this. I, I try to make sure that all my goal is, is to call these guys out on their violating our Bill of Rights, the black letter of that of uh, the Bill of Rights and the spirit of it and everything. And we need to err on the side of defending those rights. And not compromising them because if you give them an inch, they will take a mile. Thank you so much for the call, Antonio. Wrapping it up after this, this is Monica Perez.
3: Monica Perez on News 95.5 at a.m. 750 WSB.
2: Now, partly cloudy, but scattered storms in the area. So stay tuned to WSB for weekend weather updates brought to you by Shoemate, the official air conditioning of summer. We have had a very lively conversation, starting with the news of the week. In my mind, it was the House passed the USA uh, Freedom Act, which pushed down the metadata collection of the government to private hands. And I think it's a setup. I think that's the beginning of the end. I think that they collect our metadata. And as somebody mentioned earlier the tv is your phone everything can uh watch you and listen to you even when that stuff's off in your house so then they've got all that data and if the private companies are allowed to collect all that stuff without warrants and then give it up to the government retroactively if they come up with a warrant in my mind political free speech is dead and the connection i draw is that you can't If you make somebody mad who has access to that information, he can ruin you without saying, I'm taking you out because you said something I don't like. He's going to ruin you for something you did, or they make it look like you did just because they have so much information, or they just slander you or find out something you did wrong. It's bad news, but we can uh, continue this conversation all week long on Facebook, On Twitter, at Monica Perez Show. You can go to my website, MonicaPerezShow.com, and I post all my podcasts there. So if you want to catch some old podcasts or catch this one, uh, check in a few days. And I'm off for Memorial Day, but I'll be back after that. Right here on WSB, Saturday, 3 to 6. This is Monica Perez.
3: Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you.